0: And welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast. It's Ian Cheeseman here. Um, and as ever, uh, this is a podcast designed for Manchester City fans principally, but for any football fans or indeed any podcast fans or any um, just fans of football generally who want to listen and uh, very welcome to listen. And it's all free. Um, you can subscribe and get involved in this for free. Thanks to my sponsor, which is Amar Development UK. Uh, And if you are local to the Manchester area, you may be aware of the Pyramid near Stockport, which is uh, one of their latest purchases, which is being turned into a three level event centre and looks as if it's going to be a spectacular venue as well. But they do lots, lots more besides that. But a big thank you to them for their support of the, the podcast Uh, Three guests tonight. We're speaking just after City have beaten Bournemouth by six goals to one and obviously just a week away from uh, a great victory at Old Trafford in the Manchester Derby. And my guests are um, a a City legend of the past, Jason Beckford, who um, is joining us from over the the pond in, uh, shall we call it, America because uh, it's Canada, actually, but anyway, that's all part of America. And we've also got um, Andy, who's already shaking his head and growing November Movember tash, from what I can see, even though you won't be able to see that necessarily on the, uh, on the audio podcast. And Harlan, who, of course, is almost like Harland, but not quite as good. So, Jason, first of all... Um, you obviously came over to Manchester not too long ago and watched City, so you've seen them across close proximity. I'm sure you still follow your old team from over there on the other side of the, the pond. What are you making of them? I mean, 6-1 against Bournemouth's um, pretty much of a statement performance, isn't it?
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I watched them today. They're a, a, a class apart. I mean, there's, there's a real gulf of talent there, isn't it, between the two sides? Um, Bournemouth obviously you know set out there stuff for city and get people behind the ball but I think once you you know you have a mindset like that once you go a goal down which they did in city and getting the breakthrough fairly early and um, I think it's always going to be a difficult afternoon for Bournemouth um I must admit you know and Je- uh, was you know you know very good today. Uh, I think he gives something just a little bit different from Grealish. Uh, no disrespect to Grealish at all, good footballer. Uh, but I think, you know, probably D- D- um, Dukou, a bit more direct, a little bit more dynamic, she Shri- she's a kind of a, a footballer. Uh, a midfield player playing on the wing, if that makes sense. And he obviously sit, fits into Pep's system when when he needs to. But, uh, you know, a, a, a real good all-round performance. And, as always, Bernardo Silva. He, he, I mean, he, I think what more can you say about him? I mean, Great goal! His second one in particular was just, you know, different class, really. So, um, you know, and I think he's just—it's just a pleasure to watch City these days. So.
0: I saw every minute that you and your brother Darren played for City, um, and I bet there's not many people around who still can say that it's in every single minute of every game that you play. <laughs> and uh, and I enjoyed watching you play, and you particularly were a skillful player. Um, Darren was a slightly different build and a different type of player. But um, I know this is sounds a little like I'm just being creepy by saying it, but I mean it. There was a little bit of what I saw in Doku today in the way that you played. Um, can, can you see any resemblance between what you did and, and what he's doing now? I know it's, it's on a ter- terrific level right now, but there's still similarity, isn't there? Uh.
1: I appreciate you saying that. again. um, I, I, and our back balance is probably a little bit different, but yeah. But in terms of the the way that we we play, yeah, I like you know, obviously I like to get people. Um, I was fortunate enough to have one of my one of my heroes and uh, you know one of my mentors, Peter Barnes, at the club at the time. Um, he was coming for his second. He was his second spell at City at the time. It was always very encouraging to me and telling me to get at people all the time. So um it just uh, it just the game does start to change a bit then, if you remember. Um, wingers, which I probably classed myself as a as a winger at the at the time. And we started to go into wide midfield players, which um m- may not have suited me at that time. Um I know I know Baz would always say that. Oh, you are a little bit in the seventies son when I was playing with you. So um he put a uh, Again, yeah, Joaquín. We do have some similarities there for, for sure. You know, he likes to get a people, got two feet, and he can go inside, he can go outside, and uh, I think he gives something a little different to, um, for, for, to the to the team, particularly up there, who's more of a midfield player that keeps the ball moving, etc. Just think, he does gives it, it gives a um, pepper, obviously, that a bit more of a, a different attacking element, shall so we say.
0: Uh, a couple of fans that I spoke to after the game, because as you probably know, because I chatted to you when you came over for the vlogs that I do on YouTube, um, singled out Sean Wright Phillips, but they also picked out um, Peter Barnes as as players that uh, Doku reminds them of. And we know that Peter came on and made a massive impact as a young player um, for 18 months. He was just untouchable. Um do you, do you think that Doku has a similar sort of path ahead? Um, and, and the only concern I would have is at some point, you know, people start kicking him and, and making it uncomfortable for him to to go past because that's what players do, isn't it?
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, people start to get the measure of you and think, well, OK, he becomes a bit more of a danger man, if you like. He's an outlet for City players, so... All of a sudden, all the defensive start to prepare accordingly for him. But I think the way the game is these days, as a, um, I, I think the game is as such where it, it allows you to, you know, get at people but get free kicks as well. So, they, they, I'm probably showing the age a bit now. Geez, you know, they don't kick you like they used to, you know, and as fullbacks, you know, you could both... You could go through here and then the, the referee would give you a, give the, uh, the full-back a warning and say, right, OK, that's your warning, mate. Meanwhile, you could be on a stretcher. And, um, you know, that was the, just the kind of game that it was. But I do feel that heel it, it gives it such a different element for City now that I think, just like, I mean, Haaland gave City a different element last year, didn't they, in terms of that focal point to be able to go and play up to and be able to go and finish things that a lot of the maybe in years gone past we probably thought we were kind of missing that, weren't we? Somebody just to be able to go and finish off a lot of these beautiful moves that we played. Um, and I'm hopeful that the the kid can go on and uh, and go into, you know, great things and, and play his part.
0: You think the the three nil win at Old Trafford followed by this six one and i could imagine that it will be a relatively straightforward game, and I certainly don't mean that in an arrogant or entitled way. But against young boys in midweek, do you think City have now sort of hit the accelerator? Have they got turned the corner if there was any hint of a dip of form before that?
1: Yeah, like you say, I think everybody, you know, with this, with any sense, knew that it was just a little bit of a blip, and it just so. It just so happens that uh, when that blip happened, you know you're missing, you know, a couple of key players, Rodri being one. Where you know he he's kind of like for me the the new Fernandino In terms you know when he's not playing, you kind of you do miss him in terms of he you know he keeps the ball moving, you know, t- keeps the game. He he actually controls the tempo of the game. So I think we were missing him. There's no doubt about that. So the fact that he's come back into the game, I'll come back into the team. And there's no surprise that the team starts to do well again. So it doesn't matter whether you're Manchester, you know, when you whether you're Man City or you're Real Madrid, if you're missing your best players, you know, you're you're gonna miss them. And the fact that he's been able to come back into it and uh, get get the team going again, you know, I think there'd you be nothing know, people are actually saying. Okay, um, City are back in back in gear now, and uh, they're ready to move forward. You know, and and young boys obviously. <laughs> That, you know they won't relish coming to coming to Manchester on Tuesday uh when they play Is it' Tuesday or Wednesday I'm not sure Tuesday but um uh, but yeah it will be, uh, be a hopefully be good night for for city
0: let's bring in the other lads um and you were at the game today um and I spoke to you briefly after the game uh and I know you were raving about doku what what did you make of today
2: I just I, I find him a, a sensation, Ian. um I think you you, you mentioned you know, one of my childhood favourites, Sean Wright Phillips. You know, he was frighteningly good on either the right or the left hand side, and I'll never forget that that derby day victory um, at the City of Manchester Stadium. The, the 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 final goal in that one, the fourth one, where he hit the crossbar and it went in, and it was literally just sensational. The low centre of gravity, the agility that the lad had. Um, you know, the, the 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 acceleration, and I think. People sometimes get confused between acceleration and sprint speed. The difference with a a, a Doku and a Sane and a Sterling to a Kyle Walker is that, and they've said this many times, is that a Doku is unbelievable at going from a dead stop reset to a ridiculous turn of acceleration and pace.
0: He's like an electric Uh, car, is what you're saying.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, literally like Rita at Alton Towers is, is Doku and Kyle Walker's one that gets quicker as it gets into a loop. You know, that that's just the analogy I'll use. Walker's more of a more of a horse in, in the sense that during a race, a horse may kick on and have that second burst. Doku has got a bit of that, but for me is unbelievable at, at standing defenders up, showing them one way, taking them the other. The goal today... Uh, the Bernardo goal is a perfect example of what Jeremy Doku can do to players that commit to him too early, um, which is going to be a lot of people because he does commit you and you've got to credit him for what he does. He makes you think you've got the ball. He makes you think you've got a chance of winning it. And then he takes to the shop for a biscuit. And I think that 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 is the kind of player that we've bought here. That is the player that we, we knew we were buying. It's somebody that we've not had for a long time. Sterling didn't really do as much of that as we would have liked at times if he became more of a poacher. Doku seems to be a much more rounded football player. Very exciting. The day we signed him, I put a video on YouTube. I know you've done a statistical analysis of him here for the fans of Forever Blue. And I said that everybody needed to brace themselves because the socks are about to be blown off. And uh, it's fair to say that today, I think you'll struggle to find a player all season in the Premier League that will have a better all-round football match in this season's Premier League, from Team 1 to Team 20 in one match. You'll struggle to find it. He was so clean. He was so tidy. He was so energetic, so quick, so nippy. The assists were fantastic. He was involved in pre-assists. He was involved in build-up for every goal, almost. And he nicked himself a goal. Could have had two if it, hadn't hit A kanji on the back. I'm intrigued to see how much Akanji's got as a goal bonus for that one. I'm sure Andy, being a financial expert and being, uh, you know, a man that has run businesses, may have a bit of a uh, more of an understanding on how contractual things work. Um, Akanji might have bagged himself 15 grand for that one off the back, but uh, we'll just have to wait and see, won't we? I suppose we'll never find out.
0: Absolutely. Andy, uh, I assume you were there today. I mean... We've seen a lot of flying wingers. I mean, obviously, I date back, I don't know whether you, to watching Jason and, you know, players in different eras. Yeah, and Doku is is a player that uh, I've always loved watching that type of player, Barnsley and Jason and um, Dennis Stewart, uh, you know, another one from that era. Um, there have been players, I mean, I'm going to go through them all, but players who take somebody on. Isn't that what gets the, the sort of
3: adrenaline going in a game? Well, yeah, as a kid, I played left wing and uh, I remember my dad strapping a Peter Barnes football trainer in Velcro to me, uh, to my left foot to make me, make me go round, you know, to sort of get the, get the, get both, both feet working. So yeah, I I can connect very well to Jason there with, with Peter and the way he used to take players on and. It's interesting. We had a discussion, I think, with Rick Holden on here a few weeks ago, and he was just saying the very same thing: how he could teach Grealish to beat players. And I'm just thinking about the explosiveness that that we saw with with him and with players like even Leroy. I think was the nearest we've had recently, and I was sad to see him leave. But this kid today. Smart, smart Guardiola. You know, I think it must be De Bruyne who gets the bonus for recruitment on this one and not yep. Begeerstein, uh, because he's obviously seen this young kid at the Belgian training camp and how we've got him from Rennes so easily is, is, is a real steal. He came inside, uh, I think for half of the game and the impact was immediate. He's wasted on the wing. It doesn't matter where he is. He's absolutely focused on just uh, doing everything right. He's got he's got the lot. I mean, really. I mean, rarely do I get excited by a player so so easily. But everyone around me today was the same. Some seasoned uh, seasoned fans really saying, "Look at this kid. He'd be absolutely scary to play against." I think he's already. You know. You know, in the war when. Um, Pilots shot down uh, Messerschmitts and they put a sticker on on the Spitfire. How many defenders has he got uh, shepherded up already? Because
0: is about four in that in that goal that he created, I, didn't
3: he? And, uh, nearly every game, you know, against Brighton, I think they took two off. So this is obviously um, going to be concerning any team we play against, and uh, you, you you know what's going to happen today. Harlan got the treatment. It might be. It might be Doku in another game, but the kid's obviously got some amazing talent. He's 21, I think. And, um, yeah, I think he was rightfully man of the match. And he was involved in everything. All the goals seemed to have a touch of him on it. So really excited by, by what I've seen today. Great to have a winger, a proper winger. You cannot guess which way he goes. I can't guess watching him from the stands. So on the pitch for, for anyone trying to mark him, it must be a nightmare.
0: My son told me when I got home that he'd he'd set a record for most assists and goals combined in a game by somebody that young, um, which from Grealish's point of view, since they seem to be playing in the same position, must be a bit of a worry. But Pep, in his press conference when he was asked about Doku, said that he was a little bit concerned that at that age and where he'd come from, uh, of playing three games a week, uh, now, obviously, when you were playing, Jason, um, uh, well, I don't know, you tell me, but I don't remember players being rested and rotated so much. And there's sports science counting every minute that you played. Um, you see the modern game as well as having played in the the game of the past. Do, do you think that Doku needs to be, um, you know, limited or rationed in, in his minutes? Do you think he could lose that spark if he's overplayed?
1: I think in compare in comparison to the other leagues across Europe, you know, we know that the the English Premier League or the English football leagues, con- uh, compared to those other leagues, so I think Pep is a, is um, cognizant of that and thinks, you know, what it might be one of those where we can actually integrate him into it, because we we've, we've all seen it, haven't we, where people have taken a season or so maybe to get used to. The English game, it's quicker, it's fast, it's more physical. Uh, so the, there's, there's an opportunity there for the kid to actually have a look at it and and also keep fresh as well. Uh, and you know, and I think what what you'll find is, um, you know, Pep will probably is obviously pick and choose and rotate in whichever way way shape or form that he, he thinks that's going to be more beneficial for the team. But uh, I, I do think that, that I think that his biggest quality for me is is that. He's two things, really. You've already talked about his pace. But I think he, he the way he can actually mix the game up, so he keeps people honest, where, you know, sometimes he'll just pass it and just look to join in with people. Other times, he's just going to go inside and he's going to run at you and be direct. So as a as a, as a defender, it's going to be really difficult for you to understand, where, well, is he going to take me on? Is he just going to pass it or what? So he, he's in the head of your point. With regards to you know the way that he's being used, I think he's good at this moment in time. Because let's be honest, it's it's only just November. Let's see what he's let's see what he's like in um, you know in in February. You know, without those cold winter nights when you might have to go up to Newcastle or you know somewhere somewhere like that where it can get it, it, it's tricky, isn't it? And along with the, the League Cup, which in fact you know, don't have to worry about the League Cup this year. But you know when you you're in a competition on four fronts it's um, it's difficult so I, I think he I mean you know what I mean? <laughs> why would you question Pep you know given given him you know the record that he has
0: I wouldn't question Pep for anything um I and mean, then he could pick you again now Jason and I go right he knows what he's doing <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you were playing just give us an insight were the sports sciences around in those days did you ever have that influence if you like in your
1: career? <laughs> um I, i'll be honest with you, you know, when I, you know when i left city um and they went to you know got sold to birmingham for in 92 something like that and um, you know it, it's that i think that kind of thing that's that kind of sports science started to come into the game a little bit but uh, there was obviously a lot of still old school players that were kind of like you know it's a load of nonsense that kind of thing but there was never anybody that was saying, you know, well, don't play today or listen, you've had enough minutes, you've, you, you, you've got to your quarter of minutes during the week. So, you know what, we're going to we're gonna bring you out of training today or anything like that. There's no one really assessing it there was nothing, um, should we say that, um, in terms of measuring what you were doing all the time. So these days, obviously, with the GPS belts that they're all wearing, it can give them a lot more insight into how much... Work, or, how much, or what they call it, loads now. How much loads that, they're, that that they're having, and making sure that they're not going to that degree where they got a lot of injury, getting any injuries. Because I think that's what it's about. There A lot of people in my day, and you've obviously spoken to, you know, one of my good mates, and one of my, my best mate, feel like Paul Lake, where you know a lot of the, you know, a lot of our generation, you know, with me injuries or whatever, and a lot of that was probably maybe too much. Um, I remember a story about me um, when I was I went to Birmingham and I got a bad knee injury, was out for twenty months with my knee came back. Wasn't really the same cheesy at all. I had a spell at, at Stoke and I remember, you know, another one on the football uh, in idol Joe Jordan. I know he played for the other team other other side of the city, but you know, he's somebody that was synonymous with Manchester football at the time. And I remember him saying to me, uh, my knee was like a football, you know, and uh, I said, oh, I think it's not too bad. And he says, uh, well, if you think if we, if we get the fluid drawn off the knee, like, would you play? Yeah, yeah, of course. So, um, I, you know, that, that's the kind of thing you used to do those days. You'd, you'd do anything just to get playing. And then, unfortunately for me, at half time, my knee was probably twice the size it was before I started. So, um, as I say, in terms of, you know, that sports science piece, Never really there, Uh, but it's obviously a very big part of the game now. But like anything, you have to get the balance, don't you? You have to get the balance right.
0: You, I mean, I've talked to a lot of players. I mean, I talked to Colin Bell when I was writing his book about whether he'd want to play in this particular era, and uh, and most of the answers I get are the sort of yeah because of the wages, the pitches, and all the rest of it. But my question to you is the same question, but more from a point of view of because you would have had that support of sports sciences, and there would have been advice about what to eat and how to rest, and you know it's to the nth degree because I've heard Pep talk about Harlan and. How he's obsessive about how he keeps himself fit. He says he's never been fitter. Ironically, of course, he picked up a bit of injury in this game. We don't know how serious that is, but in general terms, he is. So, would you have wanted to forget the money, forget the pitches, forget the success? Would you have preferred to play in this era just because of all that support that you would have got?
1: Without a doubt, uh, I think you know you, you're actually treated as a, as an athlete. You know you're an athlete first, and I think if we're honest, you know back where you know in those days in the mid '80s and '90s, you know you you weren't considered an athlete as such. You were a athlete, and uh, being an athlete, you have to you know have to have that uh, support and have your body in a certain way. So all the support that they have now at the disposal is is fantastic, and you know I. 100%, you know, agree with everything that they do with regards to the sports side. I when I say everything, you know, there are times when you think, you know what, you just got to get out there and play. You know, we need you to play today. But, uh, you know, the support system that, you know, that players have these days, I think it's fantastic. And, uh, you know, long may continue because, you know, as you belong, know, long, so if they're doing everything you can to get you out on the pitch. You know what fair play, and and hopefully that continues to support that that support. I'd I'd have loved it, to be quite honest.
0: What's it been like this week for you, Harlan? As a City fan, you know, you you've seen City win at Old Trafford 3-0. Um, I, I know you're out and about mixing with lots of people your age, so you know, late twenties, early thirties, that sort of time. And uh Maybe you you know you live. I know you live in Bolton, and I know you're an Oldham lad when you grew up. So you 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 meet all these people from different places when they when you have a victory like that, see City win, and then have a six-one victory, and the whole way that they're playing at the moment. How do all your mates you know react, and what's it like for you as a City fan?
2: Well, it's to be honest, it's you know obviously loads of friends over here, colleagues, uh, people at radio that I work with, and. You know, Danny was brought up in not too far from where you were born, actually, Jason, in Moss Side. He was brought up around that area. Uh his nan and grandad lived not too far from Platfield. Uh Kian's a Bolton lad, of course, but he's much younger than me. Um, the other lads are all Bolton fans. Um, like I said, I was born in Oldham. You you all know my story, especially you and you and Andy, you know, you've probably watched the one where me and Paul, prestige, talked about, you know, why we became city fans and it's quite up really that that we have a similar story yet we're better not say this too offensively towards Paul even though he is only 10 years older than me. Um but we are born in different eras but still have a similar story and I think all City fans especially after the 60s and 70s have a similar story about why they became blues. And I think it's it's hugely down to family influence, parents, Okay, where you were born? Were you born in the Moss Side area? Were, were you born around Main Road? Um, you know, and 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 friends at school. But the friends at school one for me and was never a huge influence because nobody was a City fan at school. Do you know what I mean? I had, I, you know, I had one one or two people that I really knew were City fans that spoke about City when I started writing in Crompton back in two thousand and five, like Lane before it and Thorpe and everybody supported either Oldham Athletic or Manchester United. You know what I mean, or, or, or the odd person supported a Liverpool because Liverpool was successful at the time, but nobody really supported City, so going into school was was tough. Okay, granted, not as tough as maybe the the nineties, um, but 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 tough because you know we 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 had that one good season that I fully remember as a kid under Kevin Keegan, which of course was the the first season back in the Premier League after promotion from Division One as it was. And then after that, things started to take a bit of a dip again and I'm sure that yourself, Andy, Jason um, and the older fans that remember the dark days in the 90s were probably thinking they were going to see similar unfold again. And obviously you've told me before, Ian, off the record, that um, and it can be spoken about, that of course you, you understand how close City actually were to becoming maybe a club that were in... In, in, in the dire straits again and, and that the plug could eventually have been pulled. We could have ended up like a Bolton or a Bury or a, you know, a, you know, a club that's fallen victim like a Macclesfield or even. So it was one of those where even I was fearing, although I was a kid, I didn't really know how how bad it could get. And thankfully then, whether you can thank him or not, something for debate, but Taxing came in and saved or didn't save or whatever he did for the football club, he, he bought us and then he, in his own way, facilitated Sheikh Mansour to buy the football club and sold the football club, whether he wanted to or not, had the extra stuff outside of football that concerned taxing or surrounded him, forced his hand a bit, we'll never know. But I think that the intention was always to make a bit of money and sell the football club to somebody else in the future. Well, well, I
0: mean, and you've described that that journey perfectly as a fan. Now we're where we are with that story as your backstory. Um, and I was talking to Bournemouth fans on the, the video that I did today. You know, what were they expecting? And I, I explained that when I was starting out, uh, you know, in the, the sort of, 70s and whatnot, that uh, I spoke to my then girlfriend and said, I'm going to Southampton to watch City. And she said, "Anything do you think they'll do today? And I said, I think they'll get beat. And she said, why are you going all the way to Southampton? And I said, because I'm a fan. That's what I do. You know, i go and support my team. And I that's always been my mentality. But now we're at the crest of this wave, Harlan, and you can go back to all your mates from all over the place do you go there with pride do you go there with arrogance what 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 do you feel when city win the derby and then, and then beat bournemouth 6-1 is it like is it like your karma moment
2: yeah i think i think listen, winning 6-1's always great whether you play against bournemouth whether you play against newcastle whether you play against norwich because we beat united 6-1 so 6-1's become a bit of a city scoreline now it's one that we enjoy more than any other um because of what happened in uh, stretford all them years ago but I think for me, it's you've got to be very carefully and not to be arrogant, but to be confident and to enjoy it. Because as City fans, and I get it, and I understand it, and I get it a bit from when I was a kid, and I know you and Andy, and again, completely unoffensively, the the fans that, that 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 lived through the you know the seventies and eighties and nineties and, and into the, the era that we're in now, um, the Doldrum days, even, you know, you 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 understand that that you know, typical City and, and all those other things that you hear on the vlog every week where fans are saying, I'm always nervous. And you sometimes try and prompt that optimism from them and they're not willing to commit to it. It is because it is city-itis and it is in our DNA. It's Blues. And I've got a bit of that or had a bit of that. And even now in the bigger games, maybe you think, no, we could we could lose this because I've seen us do this before. or But these players, Pep, none of those were around then. This is a different city now, and I think if you if you don't allow yourself to sit back and enjoy what what we're seeing, and you constantly obsess not criticising anyone but constantly obsessed with wanting to be, you know that that club that is pessimistic all the time. These days will pass you by, and you will have you will have never enjoyed them that much. So then, twenty years down the line, if it all disappears, you'll never have enjoyed it to the level you should, and you'll regret that. So I think never become arrogant, just become confident, enjoy it, soak it up, drink it in, as Martin Tyler once said, and I'm sure you've, you've probably said that in commentaries before, Ian. But um, yeah, I think I just enjoy bathing in the glory, but not not becoming everything that I hated about United fans at school. Because if we become arrogant and we become dismissive and we say we're going to slap everyone 7-0 every week, then unfortunately we're becoming everything that we hate about those over the road.
0: I remember Vinny saying something about, you know, enjoy every every minute of every victory, um, and he was dead right. I mean, Andy, you probably know as well as I know that now is the time to enjoy
3: and savour every minute, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just reflecting on the derby, uh, I was obviously there. I think probably now the score is... Uh, Old Trafford about 8.32, something like that, you know, in the time I've been going. So we're a long way from not feeling with sicky stomach going to Old Trafford. And if you're not feeling that, you've not been there when we've been turned over or been happy when we get to half time and the score's nil. But one of the enjoyable things about going there now is um, the little tram ride. Um, whether you're coming from the city centre or from Altrincham, as we do, uh, and just listening to them on the tram. It's worth more, actually. No, not quite, but nearly as much as just rubbing it in in the away end, the way the way that we we tend to do these days. And so it really has turned full circle. There isn't one player in that team that I would want anywhere near our bench never mind the team, and a long time uh, it's been since uh, we were able... Now, that, that, that might be being arrogant, but I think it's just a bloody fact and that we really have on and off the pitch gone in a completely different direction. I think that Radcliffe coming in is good for them. I think that that will take them as long as it did us to even climb up the money ladder. So we're talking about a decade before we can worry about Anything from Stretford giving us uh, uh, nearly a, a level of competition that, that that we they would expect to have, uh, and that's if it goes well. So, so yeah, basking in the glory of being, without a doubt, top dogs in Manchester, and long may that continue. Um, but obviously, the, the concern that we all have is the chap who's on the touchline, who isn't happy, you know, that we're winning 6-1 and that we lost a pass in midfield. And I think today, um, from my seat anyway, I think he thought that VAR had checked the wrong offside. Um, this this passion this guy has. So they were checking the Bournemouth goalscorer. And I knew that because I had a little... Uh, I have a VAR radio. Have, uh, BBC Radio Manchester in. At the time, it's VAR. <laughs> and they were saying, oh, they're checking the goal scorer. But actually, I thought it was the the, the the player who put him in who looked offside, but it didn't appear to be checked. And I don't know if that was what sparked Guardiola's uh, meltdown after they'd actually seen the footage, um, as they might do in, in, in the dugout. So, yeah, it's it's fantastic. Uh, and, and we haven't even got Kevin De Bruyne out of his box yet. He's still He's still <laughs> repairing himself. Uh, it, it sounds as though from Guardiola's comments that Erling's injury doesn't appear too serious. Um, I think he did the Murray Walker, didn't he? You know, he's as fit as he'll ever be, and there you go, Croc. Um, and 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 I, 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 from my seat today, I sit right over the, the penalty area at the, uh, at the South Stand, and, Harland had two of them pulling him to pieces for the first. Forty minutes, he was constantly going to the referee, telling him what was going on, and um, you know he's a, tar- a real targeted player. Uh, n- nevertheless, six one without Haaland scoring or assisting. You know, uh, great that he took two of them out. I think that's a, one of the benefits of having a player of that of that of that quality. That if he does nothing else, he just uh, absorbs the defenders. You know, for, for a majority of the game. So yeah pretty pretty pleased with uh with things and it'd be nice to get through Tuesday night um with with kind of you know the Champions League qualification even even winning a group taken into account Chelsea next week nice little break and then obviously it gets a bit more serious the running uh, through through December with the world uh, club competition as well which will put us back into let's say the wing mirrors of whoever may have more points than us because the games will start to stack up uh should we should we um and, and then the fixture list gets a bit messy so you might be two games behind over christmas at all so yeah pretty pleased um and, and there was a very good article in the times today if anybody subscribes to it and it was can anybody stop city so be a good one to get your eyes and have a look at that it's a mathematician's uh, analysis of of actually, um, you know who's doing who's doing the best, and lo and behold, the analysis was the most attacking team and the most defensive team combination at this stage of the season. That's the best is us, and then there's kind of like a few around Arsenal, Liverpool, Newcastle that are just slightly less in the attack and defense. But it's quite a good article and uh, well worth reading.
0: What it's worth, I still think Tottenham and, and Liverpool are the two challenges this year. Obviously, um, Arsenal lost uh, to Newcastle tonight, so um, that 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 set them back slightly. As a local lad, Jason, who grew up within a stone's throw of uh, Main Road, really, and and went on to play for your boyhood club, and obviously you were there at a time when City weren't winning all these trophies. You've witnessed just like we have the the downs, the dips, the relegations and everything. How satisfied, how happy do you feel now about what you're seeing and the way that this club has turned into this, you know, world force? I mean, most people talk about City now as the the best club in the world, don't they?
1: Yeah, and obviously being over here in Canada or North America, as we were saying, is that, you know, City are well and truly on, on the map now. Uh, globally, they are a global brand, and I think that's one of the things that you really have to take your hat off to Shklandzir, as with regard to the the stewardship that how he's handled the, the club in terms of not only what's going on on the field but off the field. It's and uh, anything. It's just really something to behold. And um, as I say, as a local lad, you know, growing, you know, like you know, where i was born in Massa and I grew up in Longside. And uh, we know that area where the Etias Stadium is pretty well, you know, around that kind of open shore area there. Can you um, remember that? Are you old enough to remember
0: sure. when it was like, you know, what it, you know, its old conditions, as
1: it were? Oh, yeah, yeah, mate. I mean, I think we all know, you know, that this is before the Asda was uh, was opened up up there as well. It was a lot of boarded up houses around there, wasn't it? You know what I mean? Kind of like open shore, Clayton. Uh, you know, going from Old Road, Ashley New Road, not a nice part of the city, but, you know, the fact that the, the owners have come in and they've kind of, there's a massive regeneration that's gone on there in that area is, is I, I think, you, you can only take your hat off to the owners because they've, as I said, they've not only uh, instilled a, a, a kind of belief in the football club in terms of people walking around with pride now with regards to what that club is like, Man City. Um, but also, the you know the probably the the wealth that's been generated in that area as well in terms of um, at, you know at the economy and job, as I say infrastructure, um, it's fantastic. And I think you know there's lots of clubs that are out there who have had money, uh, and we we can see one one at the moment, you know, i.e. Chelsea, where the, you know they've thrown a lot of money at it. Um, but don't seem to be, you know, quite getting it right on the field. So it just goes to show. And I think we've always said this, haven't we, about, you know, money doesn't buy you everything, doesn't it? Does it? But I think what Man City have been able to do under, as I say, Shea shows stewardship and PEP as well, is that they have managed to spend the money places and also as well being able to get it right on the field, on and off as well. So you know what, you, you can walk around with, you, with your head held high now with regards to the pride you have in the club because I'd I always say, you know what, uh, we've, we've all seen the dark days, played in the dark days as well. When I say play in the dark days, it wasn't when you're playing you don't see yourself because you're only a kid playing aren't you? And lots of us got opportunities. I think you and Nandy probably remember we got opportunities to play in the first team because we didn't have that money like the the had over the road. So would, uh, which was great. I mean, we, did, you know, we we, we just like to play football. So, um, you know, I think the fact having gone through that, it's been a, it's been, been fantastic to watch. So, uh just love making team.
0: You know, walk around Canada though, saying, you know, that team that have just won the Champions League, that have just won the treble. That's my team. I played for that team. I grew up supporting that team. <laughs> it must give you an off. I wish I could say that. That must give you so much pride to do it.
1: Well, yeah, it's you know a lot of people here, you know, and I think it doesn't do your stock any bad. It doesn't done my stock any bad, you know, you know, bad here in terms of being able to play for the club. Obviously, I'm involved in football around here as well. When I come home to you know, come to Sea City, you know, you get you know get looked after, which is which is great, you know, and you know I know a lot of ex players at other clubs always say, you know. Oh, they don't get really, they don't get looked after that well when they go back um, to their old clubs. So, uh, it's always a pleasure to go back to City. But the fact that, as I say, that brand, that global brand, that uh, you know, and um, you know, City would have that global brand. But they, they do have that global brand all over the world now, which has been, again, that's been very much a strategic development of the of the club, which they've done really well. And uh, cheesy you know better than I would the fact that you Manchester United is a a global brand it is probably, you know, maybe more for more unfortunate reasons, shall we say, as opposed to, um, you know, uh, you know, lots of people, you know, the Munich air disaster, et cetera, and that, became, that gave and, you know, a lot of that globe. But, um, and then obviously they won the European Cup later on, but I think, you know, what I'm saying there, United City have had to do from a different angle and uh, they've been very successful at doing that.
0: So you and you and Darren, obviously two brothers who played in the team. Ian Brightwell's uh, going to come on the podcast next week. Him and his brother David played in, yeah. played as well for City. So there has been a bit of a history of uh, yeah. brothers. Um, which was the better of you two and, mm. and Darren then?
1: Oh. <laughs> it was funny. I, mean, I think you, you you um asked them before. Geez, I think they we're both different players, different types of players. Um, we were actually laughing about it the other week. Really, it was. Um, we were just talking about. And I don't know how we came. Uh, I think we, that was it. We was we at the club last the other week, monthly, we? and I suppose with Eric Nixon, and uh, we were all talking about um, Billy McNeil. Uh, God rest his soul, and uh, the way Billy McNeil was. And I remember Billy McNeil getting me and our kid into a room, you know, after training, and saying that, giving asking us that same question. And, I mean, I keep looking at each other a bit strange, and thinking, "I wonder why the gap is asking? You know, it was asking." Uh, it it's a, it's a little bit strange, but uh, different players. I mean, I could score goals, as you know, and um, you know, play, you know, play. I mean, in Premier League, score Premier League hat trick. So um, you know, I was kind of obviously a more of a winger, you know, provider, whatever it is. You got my fair share for me, you know, when I did. But um, but yeah, we, we're different players, mate.
0: We we are competitive as brothers.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, face to compare <laughs> face to compare to me. So just to just to try and, you know, kinda keep up, you know, it was always that really hard to, to do that. So we played as you know, we played different sports, you know, we played football, played cricket we're athletics, uh, or uh, basketball. I mean Mark, was good at basketball, cricket was more my was my thing. So I had to make a choice about whether what to play want to play football or cricket and um, played cricket for Lancashire, you know, under 14s, under 13s, so, I had to make that choice, um, you know, going to Lishaw when I did, as a 14-year-old, um, and, yeah, it was, a, it was always, a, it was always a fight in our house, with regards to, you know, playing football, and my mum getting sick of, the ball being kicked against the door, or, you know, being kicked against the wall, she, you know, she didn't have any peace, you know, with the both of us just playing there, so, uh, my dad didn't mind so much anyway because my dad used to join him sometimes so he, he was all right with it but my mum, he joined my mum crazy.
0: Well, I'm certainly got, uh, glad that I got the chance to see the two of you play. Um, now, obviously, looking ahead to what's to come, I would look at the young boys game and not without being arrogant, I, I don't want to be entitled. All the things that Alan said so eloquently before, I, I don't want to be that United fan from years ago. However, I look at young boys, just as I looked at Bournemouth today, and I thought, come on, City is so good at the moment. We can't deny how good they are. I can't see there being any difficulty against young boys. So let's just park that one for a minute and look ahead to Chelsea away, who lost to Brentford last time out. And I watched that game and they were fairly disappointing. And then after the two-week gap, Liverpool Tottenham both come to the Etihad quite quickly. Um, are there any concerns? I mean, seems a strange thing to say after a 3 0 victory at Old Trafford, followed by a 6 1 victory against Bournemouth. But I'll, I'll leave Jason to the end on this one. But have, have the other two of you, you know, got any concerns going forward? I mean, are City now right back to where they were and the different players come in, like Nunes and Kovacic and Doku, who we've spoken about? But players have gone out. What are you on? On oh, that, Andy, I mean, do you, do you feel relaxed and confident that City... Because if they beat Liverpool and Tottenham, let's face it, and, and I'm saying Chelsea as well, City are going to run
3: away with this, aren't they? Um, it's good that they're both at home. I think that's, you know, clear that we're on a roll at the Etihad. I think it's 21 games now or more. But no, no, it's not quite yet. Forgive me. No, I think it's twenty.
0: I think it's twenty-two I think it's now.
3: the record-breaking sort of territory, yeah.
0: isn't it? Sunderland in the nineteenth uh, century with the last team, they did twenty-three in a row. So if City okay. beat young boys will equal it, so I'll put
3: that in the uh, positive column. Um, couple of things just worry me slightly. We really haven't played anyone other than Arsenal. I don't think in that level this season in the uh in the premier league just pause the second there
0: because i just want to drink that in we're not even counting united now no 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 sorry level. sorry
3: i i wanted to make sure that, that
0: never was... take that for no, granted
3: no, <laughs> no 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 i'm sorry we don't we, we don't talk about uh <laughs> you know mid-table lancastrian teams anymore uh it seems that the two teams in london um, and that would be this season, Arsenal, and uh, at least of the first half of the season, Tottenham, because we all know that their meltdown starts uh, usually in January. Let's see this year. And Liverpool look like they've uh, they've improved. So it, it could be a good test for us. And I think today, with a little bit of complacency crept in, I think, second half. Uh, I think we came out a little bit slow. Bournemouth pressed a bit, they changed their system. And um, that sort of kind of gave me a little bit of a feeling that, uh, you know, that isn't what Pep would have wanted. And then the substitutions came quite early for understandable reasons, and we were weakened. It's absolutely no doubt about it, that that was not, um, not not an improvement, although we did go on to score a couple more goals. Um, and so, yeah, the city fan inside me always is nervous until it gets to match day and we're on the pitch so i i wouldn't I wouldn't be overly worried about Tottenham and Liverpool because we're at home um and I think they've got we've gotta come up, come back from the from the international break um and really do what we've done in the past, which is kind of those that winter break last season after the world cup we've got we're pretty good at coming back from those sort of situations so i think they get it right in terms of mentally um bringing the team together quickly and that that gives me you know quite quite a high level of confidence and i think today the kind of the first 15 20 minutes it it was a grind to get to get through, um, to get through Bournemouth today, um, but once we've broken them down, it was almost like open house. But you know, and there will be teams as well um, around the, the congested period on Christmas and, and beyond. Um, probably, I'm more worried about Everton away, if I'm honest with you, because they've got that blinking Burnley, Sean Dyche doggedness and. So those games as well, we've got to keep an eye on. Not just these 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 ones of so called challenges, but yeah, I think if we come through those two games with six points, it'll be absolutely fantastic. Chelsea as well, if we can beat them away, and I, I think they are beatable at the moment at Stamford Bridge, then really that would that would start to cause some tongues wagging about, um, you know, champions again We'd have a chance about that, couldn't we?
0: Yeah, it was uh, ringing around the Etihad uh, quite loudly today. I notice all the other clubs around the country seem to have picked up on the Old Trafford is falling down chant, which is the Leeds fans were even singing it last night at Leicester. So, so uh, that that's nice to hear. Uh, what are you, Harlan? Then on uh, on what on what what's coming up?
2: Yeah, well, between now and Christmas, and I'm very worried about Crystal Palace at home, if I'm honest, because they always turn up in November or December at the Etihad. Uh, thank God they've got Conor Gallagher this year and he's playing for our next opponents after the Young Boys in Chelsea. Uh, their captain, of course, um, one of the most inexperienced in terms of playing for a top four side captains that you could hope to have against you. I think that's important to mention. Um, one Cole Palmer as well, which has a different ingredient to the mix in this one. I think he'll have a point to prove. Um, don't think Pep really cares whether he proves his point or not, because if we win the game, that's all that matters. Um, Cole Palmer goes into this game thinking, I want to prove a point to Pep, and tries to overdo it. He'll be weaker in the game, which is a positive. Um, Not saying there's any angst between the two of them, but I'm sure there's a sense of rejection uh, felt from Cole, uh, You know, with, with being told that he wasn't no longer required at the club, that the money was too good to turn down and that his replacement is quite frankly one of the best wingers I've ever seen play for City already and he's only been here for less than two months so it's fair to say that we made the right choice in letting him call golf for me and I can say that confidently and eloquently right now Ian Jeremy Doku is the better player hands down uh, it's going to be Doku versus Palmer in this one uh, Mudrich is always a worry he's quick he's nifty uh, he's scored a couple of goals now and I think that he's one of the brightest young players in world football that will kick on at Chelsea or maybe even in the future if he was to leave Chelsea. But I don't think that they'll cause us any problems really and I think that we should, as Andy rightfully said, um, beat them at Stamford Bridge, Pochettino or no Pochettino. I think that the the Tottenham and and, uh, Liverpool games, Andy, you're right, both at home, first time in a couple of seasons that we played them two at home first because we played Tottenham away in the season that Greeley signed, we lost 1-0, Son. And then we played Liverpool and drew 2-2. I think Rodri stopped them from winning right at the death, didn't he? So it's nice to play them both first, get the six points on the board, hopefully. And then when the return fixtures come about, hopefully we can be maybe six, seven points clear and um, and win them and drive it home, as we've done in previous seasons. I think the only the only worry is that that when them games come about, there's always the added you know, incentive for them to try and knock us off our perch. And that's always going to be there with competitors. But I think that, you know, whether a, whether a, whether a fans sit there or managers sit there and say that we're an unbelievable side, they all want to be the one to tear us down, especially the biggest sides that are going to be trying to compete with us. So I think we've just got to believe in ourselves, back ourselves, go into them, try and get the points on the board. Um and 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 not try and change too much either to 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 combat them force them to change to try and combat us. I think we've we've grown a a, a thicker skin to the fact now that teams have, have tried to come to us and expect us to try and change our game, change our philosophy to try and combat them at home. I think we, we, we've we started to turn the Etienne into a bit of a fortress, as you said earlier on, Andy, with the the the, the winning run. And I think that um we continue that winning run with the young boys' win, Tottenham are going to come thinking, oof, you know, can we be the side to upset them? But are we also going to be a victim to this unbelievable run they're on? Liverpool the same. I don't think we need to worry too much about them And Play our game, we'll be fine.
0: Final word down to Jason. Um, thanks very much to AMR Development once again for sponsoring the podcast, which I really appreciate. And it's been great having you join us from, uh, from your Canadian home, um, I don't know whether there are any uh, lumberjacks around about, you know, doing anything in the background, Jason. But um, it's great to have you, honestly, in all seriousness. We need to get you on again. We need to get Darren on as well. He's in the media these days, isn't he, Darren? So um, you know, he'll know what he's talking about. But how do you see well, somewhat whatever say whatever you want, Jason, but how do you look ahead to what's to come?
1: Yeah, as I said, you know, I don't I'm not worried. I think the those games that you you've talked about are games that, you know, that the, the players are going to be up for that. They're expecting, you know, a, a tough game. Um, I think the ones that you do worry about sometimes, are, as a, I think you've alluded to already, the likes of the Evertons and the Crystal of this world, where they come with nothing to lose. And when you're playing against teams that have nothing to lose, they're the ones that you have to worry about. Because if you're not at it, as it were, mentally, um, that you you know, you're in a game of football, I think that, they're the ones that, you, you know, you can actually um, trip up. The You know, the the Tottenham's of this world, Liverpool and, and the, the Chelsea, they'll not, the, every, every player in that dressing room knows that they're easy to get up for those games. You know what you're going to do in those games. And uh, the fact that, you know, if, if City can get seven out of nine points, I think um, there's no doubt. For them to go and get nine points out of it, I mean, God, I think you'd be ecstatic, but... Uh, uh, I, I, that's that's a that's a tall order. There's no doubt about that. Having having said, you got. A, I think is, did you say we got Chelsea at home. Away, is Chelsea? Chelsea away. Chelsea at home, and uh, or, yeah, Chelsea away. Right. So thoughts so at Stamford Bridge. That'll be um, you know obviously that'll be a big game. Good time to go there as well because you know they're they're under a bit of pressure themselves, aren't they? So they'll know that they can't um, they can't slip up. But again. They're playing City, and uh, you raise the game a little bit more now. are when you when you're playing against the champions, everybody raises their game another ten, you know, twenty percent. So, um, I I, I wouldn't be I'm not be i will not be too too bothered about that. But just I, I think good to your point, just to finish off with regard to this period now, and then you've got Christmas coming up where it gets really busy, doesn't it? And you talked about the World Club Championship as well. I think that's where, you know, Pep has always earns his money, doesn't he? In terms of rotating the squad that he needs to keep people fresh and uh, different lineups. You know, Stones, in, uh, Stones played centre-half today, didn't he? When he's a central defender, a little bit more of a defensive role that he's been doing. So, you know, he's the, do we say, um, we'll give him the Tinker Master kind of... Um, um, Nickname that uh, I think Renieri used to get that one, didn't he? But um, he do, he does think he tinkers with it just right, I think. Uh, in in all honesty.
0: Well, Jason, it's been great to have you on. I really appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, all the best to you, and hopefully we'll get you you. And your brother on uh, me. soon enough. And thanks very much to Harlan and Andy. And thanks. if you only remember one thing from this podcast and nothing else, just remember this: it's great to be a blue.